You're listening to Burnt Toast. This is the podcast where we talk about diet culture, fat phobia, parenting, and health. I'm Virginia Soul Smith. I also write the Burnt Toast newsletter. And today, Corinne is back. She got bangs, you guys. And it is time for a very special holiday-themed Ask Us Anything. As always, we record these once a month, so if you have questions for us, you can email them over by hitting reply to any newsletter or drop them in the form that's linked in your episode description. So here's Corinne and me, but first a quick break. Okay, so today the only thing I'm going to ask is that you think about pre-ordering Fat Talk, Parenting in the Age of Diet Culture. It comes out April 25th, so I know that is still a few months away, but pre-orders really, really matter for authors. I have talked about why a million times. I will link to a piece I wrote explaining it all. And they especially matter for issues like this that are not getting into the mainstream, and we want to get them into the mainstream. And as sort of mercenary as it sounds, book sales are a way we do that. So you can pre-order it by clicking the link in your episode description. It will give you all the buying options. If you would like a signed pre-order, you can get that from my local independent bookstore, Split Rock Books. And whatever you do, thank you so much for supporting independent anti-diet journalism. How are you? How are you doing? I'm doing good. As discussed, I got things. Yes, yes. And you were um, on an emotional journey, but now you're feeling good about the bangs. Yeah, I think I'm feeling good about the bangs. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like this time of year is so crazy. Do you have any upcoming travel holidays? We are, yes, for Christmas, we are doing this, like, big, slightly insane trip. My brother-in-law and his family live in Bangkok, and we were supposed to visit them. They've been there for years, and we haven't visited yet. And, you know, then the pandemic happened, and we couldn't go, and we couldn't go. So we're finally doing it. So you're going to Thailand? For, yes, in, for Christmas. Like a month. Yes. Wow. Yes. With my children. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I my mean, amazing 15-year-old niece, who I'm hoping is really oh. going to hold the whole thing together. No pressure, Lorelai. Um, that's awesome. I'm super excited. Like, it'll be such a great adventure. I'm also a yeah. little bit glad we couldn't go in 2020 when I had a two-year-old. I think that would have been much harder. Yeah. Listeners, if you have any tips about long-haul travel with a five- and nine-year-old, DMs are open. I need all of the advice. Well, it'll definitely be an adventure. <laughs> oh, it will be. It will. I'm, I'm like, super excited. All right. Should we do some questions? We have many questions this time. I'm very yes. excited. I tried to group them into categories for us. And since this is our December episode, we're going to do some december type questions. Yes. Okay. Your recommendation for soft pants has been life-changing. Thank you for introducing me to Eileen Fisher Lantern Pants. Any recommendations for winter coats like a soft coat? Well, that's a thank you to you because you introduced us all to Eileen Fisher Lantern Pants. So I've never been more flattered in my life. I feel like <laughs> I'm finally being seen. I now really need to get some because this is like a double endorsement. It's very exciting. They are great. You just got a coat. I did just get a coat. So I do have a coat recommendation. So basically, I wanted like a quilted barn coat like my five-year-old wears. And I wanted it in my size. <laughs> and I went on an Odyssey to find it. I was sent many links over Instagram for coats. And I ended up getting the J. Crew Quilted Cocoon Puffer, I believe it's called, in olive green. I love it a lot. We previously discussed the issues of being hot, running yes. warm when you are fat. And this coat is warm 
in cold weather, but very lightweight. Like it doesn't make me sweaty. So it's really threading that needle. Yeah. And the like shoulder restriction. The in shoulder the car. restriction is good. And I will say I have heard very mixed things about J. Crew plus sizing in general, but this coat I feel optimistic about because I think I bought the XXL, which suggests to me that like the 1X, 2X, 3X are sized appropriately. So it's like a roomy coat. I think a pretty inclusive option for folks. And they will say the zipper was stiff, but a reader told me to run a wax candle over it and that helped oh, a lot. So wow. yeah, a little tip Good for tip. you about stiff zippers. What about you? You're a big coat fan. I do like coats. I'm sort of like a more of a light coat person. Um, sure. I just recently, within the last couple of months, got one of the, I got a fleece from Alder Apparel. Which is like a oh, Canadian yeah, outdoor yeah, yeah. brand that has very inclusive sizing. Yeah, they're and supposed to be great. They are great. Some of the stuff is like pretty pricey, but it's great. I love it. And I would definitely call it like a soft coat. Like sometimes I will like wear it around the house. Another thing I really like about it is that it has snaps. Oh, yeah. That's I'm fun. realizing I'm very into snaps, <laughs> like on a shirt or a yeah. jacket. I feel like they last longer than buttons. Like, you never, like, accidentally pop yeah. them off. Yep. I've also, in the past, gotten coats from Universal Standard and Girlfriend Collective. More, like, puffy-style coats. Like your they puffers. Have, yeah. Yeah, they both have, like, a lot of sizes and styles. Yeah, I will say, while I was doing my coat research, Universal Standard sent me approximately 18 emails about <laughs> coats. Because that's how that works. And yeah. I didn't end up buying one, but they... Look yeah. like they have some strong contenders and definitely wait for sales. And if you do the J. Crew coat, for sure, wait for a sale because I got my, I think I paid like 90 something for it. Like I got a really oh, wow. good price. That's, on it. that's yeah. a really good deal. We also got a request for fleece leggings and I have the same request. I have a pair from LL Bean, but I don't love them. I need to hike them up a lot. Like they don't hold their shape super mm. well. I don't have any fleece leggings. I don't know if I would wear them, but here's what I've heard. Okay. Um, there's a Canadian brand called Anne Malaire. Okay. And they have a pair of bamboo fleece leggings that Ooh, people like. That sounds exciting. Yes. And then I have also heard, I think Land's End and Target have fleece leggings in plus huh. sizes. All right. All right. But I can't personally endorse any of these. Yeah, yeah. No, but that's good to know to check out. Yeah, that's exciting. I was also thinking this might be a place for... The Nottam cashmere pants we yes. discussed previously, which I am still like, I get their emails and I like put them in the card every week and then I don't quite pull the trigger because they're kind of expensive. <laughs> they are kind of expensive. I mean, they've definitely been doing some like 25% yeah. off discounts. So I yeah. know they go on sale. Wait but for I the just, 40. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. I mean, I know you love your shorts from them. So I would yes. assume their pants I've are also, also had pants from them, which right. got eaten by moths. But they were great. That's the miserable part about cashmere. It's super sad. All right. What's next? How do you balance feelings around bodies and clothing, especially when it feels like buying and finding clothes would be cheaper and easier in a smaller body? This question makes me sad. (laughs) I know. I know. Because there's like a kernel of truth to it, right? Like, yeah, there's more clothing options for small bodies. That's true. It's just like, I mean, how do you balance feelings around it? You can't really. Yeah. It just sucks. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I guess you balanced feelings around it by finding things that you like to wear. 
I wouldn't normally say shop your feelings, but I think Mm -hmm. here I would say shop your feelings. Like I do think when you can find even just like one piece you're really excited to wear, it helps so much. And when you're in a transition with your body, that happens, right? Like nothing fits and you're trying so hard and like it can just feel so miserable. It's like not an easy solution. I'm like, so just go buy something great. And you're like, but there is nothing great. But I'm trying to think what's the easy starting point. Like maybe it's a top. I feel like tops can be easier to fit than pants. Depends on your body. Maybe a dress might be easier, you know. Or even like an accessory, like a hat or something Mm -hmm. where it's like something anyone could wear. I mean, I think this is why I leaned into glasses so much. Like when I have my cool glasses on, I feel stylish sort of no matter what. And that's like a nice baseline. So finding that like anchor piece and then it's still going to suck. It's just going to suck. I think the glasses are good advice. And I would also say maybe this is a time where you could also be like, you're still like a cool, interesting person if you don't have all the right clothes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Write that down if you need to. Put that somewhere (laughs) where you can read that by your closet. And I just want to underscore that neither of us are saying pursue a smaller body in order to make this easier. That is not the answer. It won't really work. It won't make you happier. It will definitely make you miserable. Okay. When you're in a store and they don't carry your size, do you have any cute, snarky comeback or response? You know, I had such a fail on this recently. Dan and I were away for the weekend. We were in Kingston, New York, which is like a very cute Hudson Valley town. And we went into this super cute boutique that had like clothes and home stuff and blah, blah, blah. And I realized right away they had nothing in my size. And I completely did nothing about it. I said nothing. I purchased nothing. I just wandered around the store. Dan bought a shirt because they had his size. I advised him on buying the shirt. And then we left and I was just grumpy about it. And I was like, why didn't I speak up? Like, this is literally what I do. (laughs) But I just like I was looking around for who I would talk to. The store was very crowded also. So even like Mm -hmm. getting a salesperson, it was a Saturday, you know, getting someone's attention was going to be hard. And then I saw who I thought was the manager. And he was like this like skinny hipster guy. And I just was like, he's not going to get it. Yeah. It was a combination of a lot of things. But I was also furious because, like, I would have spent a lot of money and they had really cute stuff. I would have bought things. But I was just, I think what happens is you suddenly have this feeling of, like, I don't belong here. They don't want me here. And that's hard to overcome in the moment. That really does suck. I don't think that I've ever said anything about that to anyone either. I feel like there might have been times where there's been, like, a bigger person working in the store whenever I've been like, oh, I really wish Mm. you guys carried stuff bigger stuff and they've been like i know yeah i probably would have felt safer saying something in that context i feel like i'm just so accustomed at this point to stores not having my size that right that was a piece of it it's just so much the norm it was a moment where i thought to myself you know i've been really working on doing this advocacy in doctor's offices like i declined to be weighed and then i work on saying why and you know i am working on that piece of it and i was like i need to start building these skills in retail as well and mm-hmm. it just made me realize i wasn't building the skill i so rarely shop in person yeah, anymore same. so if this is something you want to work on like i think it's a great place for activism but i also think if you just feel like it feels hard it's okay to just like leave the store and, you know, shop online instead or whatever. 
Or you can always, like, I think it can be effective to do some calling out on social media, depending. Mm. I'd be curious to hear from readers, listeners, if they have yeah. done this or have good thoughts on how to do it. Yeah. Or if they've, maybe someone's done it and the shop has started carrying bigger sizes. And I will make a plug to thin listeners. Like, I did have a nice exchange with a thin friend. I think it was when I was looking for the coat or something. She DM'd me. Oh, no, it was jeans. She DM'd me a brand. And she was like, this brand has amazing jeans. And they're size inclusive. They go up to whatever. And I looked at the size chart. And I was like, no, they don't. <laughs> like, yeah. like they're, They uh, go up to a 4X and it's a size 12. Exactly. Like, it was not extended sizes. And she was like, oh, my God, I didn't understand that. You know, I mean, she's skinny. She'd never yeah. had to try on the 4X and realize that it, you know, what. So she was like, well, I'm friends with her, so I'll talk to her about it. And I was like, good. Yes, you. Go That's do awesome. that. Uh, that's really awesome. If you are a good customer in a store that's not size inclusive, especially like these like local boutiques, like that does feel like a place where, and I also hear from local boutique owners about how there's like many layers making it difficult for them to do this, but totally. they should still get this feedback from customers. Okay. The next question is, Virginia, could you do a bra science project? Y'all, <laughs> don't make me, don't make me do it. Bra science? Like... You need like a PhD for that. <laughs> you need like an advanced degree in mathematics. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, I have shared before the bra brands that I like that I buy. Yeah. I shop at barenecessities.com. They have really good customer service. They carry a really wide array of sizes and styles. I have found decent bras there. I do not feel amazed about my bras regularly. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel fine about my bras. But yeah, I do think there is a deeper investigative story to be done about the way bras are marketed and the like weird pseudoscience around bra fits and the way like you have to be like an educated customer to understand bras. Like I do think there's like a fascinating American advertising marketing story to be told there. So yeah. I will think about it, but I do not think it will translate to me trying on 600 bras for you. So maybe more bra science, but maybe not a bra science journey. Yeah, not like a try-on experience, because yeah. that just, I don't want to try on bras. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't sound yeah. fun for me. Yeah, as bad as um, jeans are, bras I mean, worse. it has occurred to me another way to do, uh, like, fashion science in the future would be to, like, get some burnt toast reader volunteers mm. who want to try stuff on, and, like, maybe we make some kind of, like, test panel. Interesting. Um, I haven't worked out like any details around that, like logistics. Yeah. How we, you know, it would be people having to like shop and put it on your own credit card and manage your own returns. Like I'm. Yeah. You know, and so that's like a crowdsource. But yeah, like if we could get a panel of readers in different body sizes, that might be really interesting. I also think the last time that we talked about bras, I plugged this, but there's also there's an incredible Reddit that's called, I think it's called a bra that fits. And okay. they're definitely doing bra science. And they can advise you and like you can submit photos and they'll be like, it's not fitting right. So they're doing bra science. So maybe this need is being met and maybe we don't need to do it for bras. Yeah. But I'm open to doing it for something else, maybe. We'll see what people think. So that was all our clothing questions for this month. Now we're going to get into holiday questions since... By the time this airs, we will have just had Thanksgiving. I hope you all survived. And for many of us, now we're getting into Hanukkah and Christmas, et cetera, et cetera. Intense time of year for 
bodies and food and all of the feelings. Yes. Okay, let me ask you the first question. So we're having Thanksgiving with a family who has one kid with extreme picky eating, and it's somehow always a focus of conversation. Can't possibly be comfortable for the kid. Plus, my daughter is old enough to pick up some of the terrible food messaging. Is there anything to do here except just change the subject? Oh, so this is interesting. So the picky eater is presumably like a nephew or a niece or something, like not your child. Yeah. But another child at the table where relatives are focusing on that kid's picky eating. Yeah, that's a bummer. I mean, my go-to line in these situations is, we trust their body. We're not worried about this. But if you're not the parent, that might feel weird for you to be like, I trust your body. And he's like, thanks. I haven't seen you in eight months. Or the kid's parents feeling like you're criticizing them. Exactly. Exactly. Depending on the relationship, you may not really have a way to wade in. So I think changing the subject is good. I think don't worry so much about what your daughter will pick up from it. You are modeling a different way of thinking about food to her. And that matters most. If you feel like it's contributing to negative talk at the table, like now everybody's being weird about food, you can definitely try to pivot that, talk about how delicious things are, you're so excited to be having this meal, there's so many good foods to try, but also make sure your daughter knows she's under no obligation to eat food she doesn't like, it's fine, she can, you know, say yes or no to things. And I think as long as you're own boundaries are clear. She can understand that other families handle this differently. And yeah, you think it's kind of a bummer that her cousin doesn't get to just eat rolls or whatever it is he wants to do. But, you know, I think you have to go carefully here because however the parents are choosing to handle it, this is probably a huge source of stress and worry for them. And I think you want to sort of be respectful of that. And a big family meal is not the place where you're going to have a real heart to heart about it. So I feel like this is probably the wrong answer, but I think if I were in this situation, I would probably take the like aggro approach of being like, wow, we're really talking about what this kid's eating a lot. Ooh, I like it. It's a little spicy. I like it. I have very um, low tolerance for like bullying. I think that's kind of great. I think sometimes like, yeah, like a neutral observation about what's going on can like make people be like, I'm acting weird. Yeah, especially if it's coming from mutual relatives. Like, if it's your yeah. mom who's the grandma saying this stuff, by all means, like, get in there and help set some boundaries. And probably the parents will really appreciate it, even if they are doing their own sort of weird stuff around food with this kid. Yeah. And I just, I like the approach of, like, you're just stating an observation. Mm -hmm. And other people can take that chance to reflect. Exactly. That's perfect. How to navigate a mother-in-law who won't stop expressing worry about a six-year-old grandson's body to my husband who doesn't push back against it or shut it down. She won't say it to me, so I can't address it directly. Their family is real thin. I am fat. Kiddo has been big since babyhood and is a healthy, active, happy little boy who loves goldfish crackers. Makes me so mad. This is a your husband's problem. You need to talk to him about advocating for you and your child with his mom. This is his territory, especially because she's not saying it to you. So either you have set a boundary or she just realizes it would be pushing things too far. But if she is expressing worry about the kid in front of the kid to your husband, your husband needs to shut that down. This is where he needs to say, we trust his body. We're not worried. We don't see a problem here. And if he's not willing to do that, 
I have questions for him and some notes. The question I have about this question is, if the mother-in-law is expressing worry to the husband, how is the question asker finding out about it? Probably because he comes back and is like, can you believe what my mom said? So if, I guess, yeah, it's like, is he saying, can you believe this horrible thing my mom said? Or is he saying, like, you know, my mom is really worried about... Mm. Like, whose side is he on here, I guess? Which is maybe not a nice way of putting it. No, I think this husband has some explaining to do of his position and why he's not backing his kid and his wife better. That's what it comes down to. I don't think you have to take on your mother-in-law. If she does say it in front of you, I feel pretty confident you'll address it directly and just keep letting your kid love his goldfish crackers, and you do you. But, yeah, your husband needs to step up. All right. What are your favorite one-liners to respond to common fatphobic comments from family during the holidays? Well, now I'm going to use yours of like, we're really talking about this because <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Not a one-liner, but I do think a good approach is just to be like, wow, it's so interesting that you're commenting on my body. <laughs> I just... So it's like, I don't know, you're taking like the anthropologist approach or something. Yes. I mean, how often am, am I actually able to do that and not just be like, shut up, you idiot? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. definitely not very yeah. often. But but this is the, the goal. The way this stuff comes out in events that I'm at, it's usually more food shaming than body shaming mm. or it's the self-deprecating body shaming yeah. where people are talking about how I'm being so bad I can't eat X. Yeah. And so then I do a lot of like, no bad foods, no bad foods, like... You know, like we don't, and I just like we'll keep dropping that in as needed. I also often disengage, you know, like if, you know, I'll just steer clear, change the subject depending on what I have the energy for. You know, you don't have to fight every one of these because it's just, there's too many and it's exhausting. But yeah, I think if it's around kids, I always do jump in. Then I always do say, like, there's no bad foods and we trust their bodies and this is not a problem. I wish I had like more funny lines. I don't feel like I have good funny lines here. Yeah, me neither. I think the funny line is so appealing because it like just turns something that's so uncomfortable into like a gotcha moment, but it's really hard to think of them. It's really hard because like a line you could memorize now won't actually apply to the comment that comes out. Yeah, you never like quite see it coming. I also think, like, if it's possible to set some boundaries ahead of time, that can go a really long way. Yeah. If this is, if you have someone in your family this is a problem with, you could, like, send a note ahead of time and be like, I love you. I can't wait to see you. I really don't want to talk about bodies or food. Yeah. And if they can't respect that, then when it comes up, you could do, like, it's so interesting that you're talking about bodies and food despite my email. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any tips for holiday treats and potluck season in the workplace? I didn't totally understand this question because I think my main tip would be to just enjoy the food. I interpret it as being a little bit maybe even more like the last question where because there's a lot of like Mm. treats and food around, people make weird comments. Mostly because that was my experience of like yeah. holiday treats oh, and holiday office season. parties are the literal yeah. worst for that. So not to be like the one trick pony, but I feel like the, that same thing works really well in the office because you're like not getting emotional about it. Like yes. you're just like, oh, it's so interesting that you don't let yourself eat chocolate. Yes. Or like, Ooh, I, don't know. I love this. That it's so interesting is like the, yeah. the go-to framing. 
I'm noticing that you're being really hard on yourself about food or I don't know. That's really good. I do think the holiday food at the office thing is really stressful. I mean, another thing is, like, can you just not go to some of these events? Like, how important is it to attend? I'm a big fan of, like, doing less and around the holidays. And, like, if there's something where you just know it's going to be, like, like, it would be impossible to just sit and enjoy the cookie plate because everyone's going to be so toxic about it. Like, yeah. make your own cookies at home and just skip it if you can, if that yeah. feels okay to do in your job. Because yeah. I've worked a lot of places where, like, at the holidays – the company gets sent like holiday treats mm. and then so there's always just like like there's just tons of like boxes of caramel mm-hmm. popcorn and weird boxes of chocolate and fruit trays and cookie trays and pe- yeah people are just so weird about it yeah um, yeah yeah that's exhausting um, but i mean it is nice to have cookies around. I think that's another way to go into it, right? Is just yeah. you talk about what you're enjoying. And you can do sort of the same quizzical thing of like, huh, I'm really enjoying this cookie plate. Yeah. You don't seem to be. <laughs> so know? interesting that you don't like cookies. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And just, yeah, like, huh, that sounds like not a really fun way to have this party for you. <laughs> like, also, now the longer I look at this question, now I'm like, are they asking... Maybe they're asking, how should you deal with not feeling like you need to restrict your eating around this stuff? I don't Mm. know. I mean, I do think these events can be like big triggers. If you are someone who struggles with restriction, you'll feel like you need to compensate beforehand or after. And I think remembering that you don't, that your body knows what to do with food. Even if you eat a lot of cookies and your stomach hurts for a little while, this is not a fatal condition. You're going to feel better in the morning. Just really giving yourself permission. If you have been restricting a lot in the past, this is probably a really important time for you to lean into permission, lean into, I'm going to let myself have as much as I want of everything, and then be very non-judgmental about what that looks like, because the temptation is going to be to start counting and calibrating and all of that. And you just need to have some good support people around, hopefully, like have some folks who can help you remember, I am leaning into permission, I am leaning into I can have whatever I want. I think because these treats are not around all the time, it is understandable that they do trigger a little scarcity mindset, like, ooh, these Christmas cookies that I only eat at Christmas, I want to eat a lot of them because I only eat them at Christmas. That's not a problem. That's a normal way to react to a food you don't see often. It is often a situation where you're kind of noticing how scarcity mindset shows up. But if you can remember that this is like a benign scarcity mindset, if that makes sense, and it doesn't necessarily need to trigger like any kind of response afterwards. You don't need to do anything differently the next day. And also, no matter how bad it is, it will be over in a month. (laughs) You will make it through. You will make it through. Hopefully. Then we'll be in January, which is its whole other journey, but oh, we'll yeah. get there. <laughs> okay. Is it really okay that I don't restrict how much sugar my kids eat? I do not feel confident. It is really, really okay. It's not only really okay, it's really important that you don't restrict how much sugar your kids eat because the more you restrict it, the more they will fixate on it and the more this will become a source of stress for both of you. I suspect you don't feel confident because you are early on in this process of releasing restriction, and you are probably seeing them eat a lot of sugar. 
and that feels uncomfortable to you. But your discomfort is not a reason to put restrictions back on because they're not actually doing anything wrong. They are responding to a release from restriction by eating, which is what their bodies are supposed to do. And you need to sit in this discomfort and let this happen and see where it goes. And you may always have kids who love a lot of sugar, or you may have kids who love sugar but get to a more, like, can take it or leave it place. And neither of those is better or worse than the other. It's just like you're going to let them figure out their own relationship with sugar, and that's the goal. But yeah, you have to sit in this discomfort right now. And it is hard because it's going against the grain of so much of what you've been taught to do. But it is really, really okay. Good advice. How to navigate the doomsday scroll of bodies, body comparison of old photos in a smaller body. I mean, put down your phone. (laughs) Stop looking. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, why? It's just why? Take the photos off your phone. Yeah. If you need to delete a whole year of photos off your phone, do it. Just do it. Just start watching TikToks. You'll lose (laughs) hours of your life. (laughs) And you'll forget what you looked like. You'll forget you even have a body. (laughs) You'll be in the metaverse. Okay, this is maybe not helpful advice. (laughs) I mean, I get it. I think we've all done it. One reason I'm trying very hard to divest from Facebook is because of the Facebook memories thing that shows you, like, old photos. Does your iPhone not just do that now? My phone just does that. Yeah, my phone does that, too. Um, But my phone is new enough that I only have the last couple of years Mm, on. Okay. So it's not bringing up, like, body stuff. And it's also, like, Facebook has this tendency to, like, show me, like, pictures of, like, when my daughter was in the hospital. And I'm just like, you know what, dude? Didn't need that. Didn't need that today. (laughs) That's what I have with my phone. I'm like, oh, great. Photos of people who are dead. Not helpful. Um, But also, that's hard because you don't actually want to get rid of those photos. I I mean, I'm happy to take them off Facebook now that I'm actually saying this out loud. But you wouldn't want to, like, delete those photos of that loved one or that difficult experience. I think also sometimes when you're, like, comparing yourself to old photos, it can be helpful to, like, look at the bigger picture. Like, you may have been smaller. You may have also been dumber. Or hungry. In a worse place. And now you're different and it's good. Yes. 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 If I see photos of myself at 25, I think a lot about the many foot injuries I gave myself from obsessive running. And wow, you know, those foot injuries stay with me to this day at 41. And I could yeah. have not screwed up my knees and my ankles as much as I did. So it's useful to think about that. Yeah. But and I was also going to say, I think this may be something that it's helpful to work through with a therapist. Um, mm. You know, I think this is something that, like, therapists who specialize in eating disorders are really good at knowing how to help you look at, like, there can be a time and a place for looking at these photos and processing your feelings around them. And that's different from a doomsday scroll, but it's not something you should sort of, like, attempt to do on your own. You need support to do that. Any foods you hated as a kid because it was only prepared or purchased, diet eat. Rice cakes. Ooh. And I feel like people like rice cakes now, and I just cannot understand that. They only exist to me as a diet food. I don't want to eat them. Yeah. More recently, green juice. Mm. Don't really need a green juice in my life. Um, Don't actually like it. Kale is one I've 
had to really like tussle with, like, do I actually like kale? Do I like it in certain things? But actually, I don't like it most of the time. You know, had to give myself permission to not like kale early on. So yeah, yeah, that wasn't as a kid. That was as a young adult. Okay, mine are my family was like vegetarian for a while growing up. Mm. Um, my dad was a Buddhist, so it was like kind of a philosophical thing. Sure, but however, I did not love it, <laughs> and I now <laughs> am just like so not interested in fake meat products. Mm. Even though there's actually, and it's like, it does kind of go both ways. Because there's some I actually like and, like, have an almost, like, oh, like a childhood food thing. And there's some I'm just, like, disgusting. Like, vegan hot dogs, I'm just like, no. Absolutely not. (laughs) Give me the real hot dog. Have they gotten better? Like, I feel like vegan hot dogs from the 80s and 90s were probably particularly (laughs) terrible. Yeah, I mean, maybe. It's just one of those things I'm just now, like, eh. Or, like, Impossible Burger, I'm, like, don't care. Don't need it. Yeah. Um, however, like, Morningstar vegan breakfast sausage, I'm, like, is delicious. Interesting. And I will say the other the other thing is, like, growing up, my mom always bought this, like, butter yogurt spread stuff. Oh, gosh. Oh, like, one of those <laughs> it's not butter. Yeah, but it was, like, a more, like, nature version, I think. Like, mm-hmm. I think it was made with yogurt. Anyways, mm. if that still exists ban it yeah Yeah. (laughs) i did not like it i think all the fake butters yeah there's probably people out there who like it so i don't know oh yeah i can also put on this list sweet and low oh yeah at various points in my childhood if i wanted to put sugar on my cereal sweet and low was the option i was encouraged to use and that's not delicious on cereal (laughs) it is really interesting and I mean, Diet Coke is technically a diet food, but it's also essential Mm. to my life. So that's one I've totally (laughs) reclaimed. Yeah. We did a really good Friday thread about reclaiming diet foods ages Mm. and ages ago. I'll link to that because there were like so many fun ones. Um, Interesting. And it's really interesting to hear which diet foods stay in the torture category and which ones people are like, actually, I do love that. Yeah. And like, what is it about the food that makes you like realize like, oh, I can actually love that in a non-diety way now. I think that's so interesting. Interesting. I'm going to look back at that. I'd love to hear about any podcasts you two are listening to or books you're reading lately. This is very fun. I have already plugged it, but I really love Helen Hong's romance novels, The Heart Principle and The Kiss Quotient. Anyway, they're delightful. Feminist romance in general is a genre I really got into this year, and I'm super here for it. The non-romance novel I will endorse is Flight by my friend Lynn Steger-Strong. It is so beautiful and awesome. It just just came out a couple weeks ago. It's a great holiday read, but it's also, you know, she's having to deal with the whole, like, it's a mom book, it's a Christmas book, and it's also, like, actually brilliant fiction that if a man wrote it would not have those labels on it. I'm in a weird phase of, I haven't been reading a lot, but this summer I read This Time Tomorrow. Oh, yes. By Emma Straub. Oh, my gosh. And I'm just like, I'm kind of annoyed that more people I know haven't read it. So (gasps) that was the number one book I read this year. I mean, it was so good. Oh, it was just so good. And then I went on a rabbit hole of like reading everything she wrote. All her books are exquisite. I want everyone to read that. I keep wanting Dan to read it because I'm like, this is mm. such a beautiful, it's a father-daughter story. Yeah. That's just, like, amazing. And, yeah. yeah, I would say especially, yeah, if you're someone who's, like, lost a parent or lost a father, it's really good. 
But like um, also be prepared for yes, yes, <laughs> it being a hard <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. But it's it's beautiful, yeah. And she lost her own dad this year, yeah. So that's like all a part of it. And oh my god, it's so beautiful. Yeah, I have a feminist romance question. I'm curious if you've read this book. Rosalind Palmer takes the cake. No, have you read? I have. It's a romance that takes place on the Great British Bake Off, basically. What? I mean, fictionally. Okay. But uh, my mom has gotten into, like, romance, and she listens to it, and then I listened to it on her Audible account, yeah. and it's great. Okay. And the main character is bisexual, so... Amazing. I Something I guess that's for what everyone. Makes it um, <laughs> but I thought it was really good. That is an excellent recommendation. All right. Should we do better? Do you have a recommendation? I mean, we just gave some, but do you have other yes. recommendations? My recommendation is for you to make yourself a Monte Cristo sandwich. <gasps> Sounds delicious. Do you know what that is? No, say more. Okay. So it's a sandwich. It's a ham and cheese sandwich. The inside is ham and cheese. And you put bread on the outside. And then you put the bread in egg. Okay like French toasty, and then you, um, like, cook it. So the inside is, like, melty ham and cheese, and the outside is, like, French French toast toast bread. And then it's also traditionally sometimes you, like, sprinkle sugar on it. Oh, my. So if you like a slightly sweet thing, you could do that, or you could not do that. This sounds like it solves my perpetual brunch conundrum of whether I want to go sweet or savory. You know, the, like, eggs or pancakes debate. Yes. And, I mean, this is maybe a little annoying, but I feel like the way to do it is to sprinkle sugar on it and then torch it or, like, yeah. put it under the broiler. So it's, yeah, like, yeah. Caramelize brulee it. sandwich. Yeah. Or as you're toasting the sandwich, just like you yeah. would do with French toast, right? You oh, could yeah. sprinkle the sugar on. French toast? Yeah. Like, I dip it in the egg mixture, and then I put it on the griddle, and then when I flip... I sprinkle the cinnamon sugar on, and then I flip and sprinkle the cinnamon sugar on, and so that that's oh caramelizing God, done that. as the French that toast is good. cooking. So I feel like if you're baking yes. French toast, this is French toast with ham and cheese inside. Yes, it's delicious. That's genius. That's really good. Well, we could link to a recipe, but also I think you just explained it to us. What's your butter? Okay, so my butter is I just discovered Dairy Girls. Have you watched oh. this? I also have just started watching it. It's so good. It's so good. I'm obsessed. I don't know how to express my love for it. I feel about it the way I felt about A League of Their Own, which is to say extremely enthusiastic. And I was in a mourning period because I just finished Bad Sisters and I felt like I didn't have anything to watch. (gasps) Bad Sisters was so good. It was so good. And I wasn't ready to leave Ireland, it turns out. Yeah. (laughs) So Dairy Girls, if you haven't seen it, is set in Northern Ireland in the 1980s. When they're at the height of the troubles, the troubles, but it is hilarious. Like it's very funny about being a teenager in a country where bombings happen a lot, and also very moving. Yeah. And oh my god, I, I'm obsessed. I watched the whole first season in like two nights. I mean, they're short episodes too. I'm watching it on nights when Dan is out, and I'm on my own, which happens like you know with our lives a couple times a week. And I'm doing a puzzle, a very good puzzle, while I watch Dairy Girls. And it's just like my little blissful evening routine. So, all right. I think we did an episode. Thank you, Corinne. This was great. Thank you. Do you want to tell people where to find you? You can find me on Instagram at Plus or at SelfieFay is my personal account. Amazing. Thank you. 
Thanks again for listening to Burnt Toast. If you'd like to support the show, please subscribe for free in your podcast player and tell a friend about the episode or leave us a rating and review. You can also consider a paid subscription to the Burnt Toast newsletter. That's just $5 a month or $50 for the year. You can do that at virginiasoulsmith.substack.com or click the link in your episode description. The Burnt Toast podcast is produced and hosted by me, Virginia Soulsmith. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the underscore Soulsmith. Our transcripts are edited and formatted by Corinne. She runs Cell Trade Plus, an Instagram account where you can buy and sell plus-size clothing. The Burnt Toast logo is by Deanna Lowe. Our theme music is by Jeff Bailey and Chris Maxwell. And Tommy Heron is our audio engineer. Thanks for listening and supporting independent anti-diet journalism.